Hi, everybody. Ron Shera here with you with another Minnesota Bound podcast, The Stories Behind the Stories, brought to you by Connecticut, Minnesota Propane, Star Bank, Minnesota Historical Society, Aquaside, and Rudy Luther. So thank you to those sponsors. Also, I have a very special guest with us today, and uh, this is going to be a good news kind of uh, podcast because... Basically, we have some good news coming from the Minnesota legislature, thanks to an organization called MinFish, M-N-Fish. And um, my guest today is the executive director, Mark Holston. Mark, thanks for coming, uh, coming on our Minnesota Bond podcast. Thanks for having me, Ron. And listen, for full disclosure, I am a member of MinFish, M-N-Fish, and, uh, and on the board. So uh, I've got a <laughs> Full disclosure, I have a special interest in the topic here. Mark, Minfish formed in 2018 to be a voice for anglers. Uh, takes a while for a nonprofit to get operating. And, uh, and of course, probably still going on. You joined Minfish about a year ago, maybe more, as our executive director, the only paid uh, member of our group. And um, as executive director, and just to let folks know, you're a former legislator and a former DNR commissioner, so you kind of know your way around the state capitol. Um, Mark, Minfish was organized to be a voice for anglers, and this year in the legislature, we had several things going. Um, how did it begin? Well, it really started, Ron, o- over a year ago um, when we brought a package in front of the legislature with three major things, trying to get um, the hatcheries rebuilt, the starting of the rebuilding of uh, the, the state's 15 fish hatcheries, and reinvestment into rebuilding the public water access system, and then some shore fishing and fishing pier dollar opportunities. And working the legislature last year... Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was the end of the, the two-year cycle, the session. It was a short session. Um, but it was an opportunity for us to really try to test our arguments, test uh, our, our agenda against the legislate, legislators and against their will and what they were thinking and what they wanted to do. And that was really helpful. Even though the legislature a year ago went home without doing anything, I mean, they basically, the legislature, in my opinion, just failed. They walked away a year ago and, and didn't get anything done and went into the election cycle. But last year, we had an opportunity to present our agenda to the governor. And he heard it, saw it, confirmed what we were saying with the Department of Natural Resources, Commissioner Stroman. And he ended up picking that up and making that his agenda item. And that made, that gave us the, the momentum and the traction to really engage with the legislature. Now, this legislative session was unlike any other to be seen. And when I say that, it was two things. The volume of new legislators that... The legislative process is so foreign to the generic public. 
it takes you have to rethink, re-educate yourself to a whole new set of terminology, things that you think are up, they're down. If it's right, it's left. It it it's a it's a foreign place. And new people going in there really have to step in and get themselves educated. And that's where Minfish stepped in and and tried to really dive in with those new legislators, educating them to what a hatchery was, how were hatcheries funded, where were they located, what do hatcheries actually do in Minnesota, from you know from the trout species down in the southeast Minnesota where it's brook trout and, and creating of lake trout, but then the walleye stocking, northern stocking, muskie stocking, um, and then other types of stocking that they do throughout the metro area. So it was a a completely immersible process of working collaboratively with the DNR, working with collaboratively with the governor, and educating new members about how important fishing is in Minnesota, what the economic realities truly are, and the lack of investment that has occurred over the last decade, reinvestment into the state's fishing infrastructure hatcheries and public water accesses. Let's pick it up there. Uh, you mentioned the lack of investing. Um, this is something that Minfish, you know, came to understand that fishing is a huge, over $4 billion, that's the B, billion-dollar industry in this state. Uh, instead of industry, I should say economic engine in this state. And... Um, the state has a very poor record of investing in that uh, engine. And uh, so that's what one thing that Minfish uncovered. So my question would be, everybody knows Minnesota, uh, you know, is a f- avid fishing state. 30% of our residents go fishing at least once a year, blah, 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 blah. How was it that our fish hatcheries and our public boat accesses, et cetera, have been so ignored by the legislature? You know, Ron, it's as simple as if there's no one there to ask, the legislature won't fund it. It it becomes that simple. And that's why MinFish, the creation of MinFish, was so important. You know, my years in the legislature back in the 90s, we had, I, I wouldn't say organizations, but we had individuals who on behalf of groups or on behalf of the interest, we're up uh, talking to legislators, sharing them how important, you know, stocking and hatcheries and public water access. The The legislature had an ethos of, of public water access and wanting to make sure that Minnesotans all had quality access in Minnesota. And somewhere about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago, all of that disappeared. There really has never been a fish advocacy group. There, there's individual species groups. So there's Muskies Inc. up advocating for muskies and muskie stocking. And then there's the trout group advocating for trout habitat and stocking of trout. But nothing for the generic angler. And minfish came in and filled that void. It's interesting. And you don't fill that void easily, as we found no. out. Um, I think for two years now, we've hired lobbyists to walk the halls over there uh, trying to deliver our message and it wasn't cheap Um, I think it was 
you know, in excess of maybe 40,000 a year. And I might be wrong there. Maybe you would know better. But but here's a story that was forwarded on to me. I did not hear this. Maybe you did. But our lobbyists were talking to a St. Paul legislator uh, asking if that legislator would support fish hatcheries. And the legislator looked a little puzzled and said, what's a fish hatchery? And then when told uh, that, for example, the St. Paul fish hatchery raises fish for uh, kids fishing ponds in the metro and some metro lakes, et cetera, et cetera. Once they understood that, they said, I'm in. And uh, so it's an educational procedure as well as, like you said, uh, you got you to gotta be a squeaky wheel. And that's true. And, and that's what we did. We spent a tremendous amount of energy last year doing that, the, the basic education of why asking the question why haven't we reinvested in these things and bringing that attention to the leadership and the governor as i said picked up on that and we need to give him his credit uh you know for picking that up and making that his agenda and and carrying that through but now this last session was really the education was i mean that's talking to these new legislators and trying to get them to understand what is out there and and the role the the state plays the legislature plays in making sure that that economic engine is maintained well let's get to exactly uh, what kind of a home run as somebody said uh, that minfish hit here with the legislature thanks to governor wall's input as well um, first of all uh, how much money did the legislators vote to give dnr to start fixing up our fish hatcheries so the fish hatcheries, they're going to get $55 million uh, to spend over the next four years. And so that's going to give them the opportunity to take the Waterville, which is down by Mankato, the Waterville hatchery, and totally rebuild it. That has a series of stocking ponds that are interconnected through, through piping and draining systems. You'll have a facility that has the ability to uh, control water quality, water temperature, monitor for diseases, uh, invasive species. The, just the technology that they're going to be able to incorporate into a new facility and efficiencies that they'll be able to drive at that one facility will make uh, a major difference for fish management and that's predominantly in the southern portion of the state. And then we move into other hatcheries, um, Spring Valley, which is a trout hatchery. That has, that's a very old hatchery um, down in the southeast. But that's, like I said, that's a trout hatchery. And then we move up under the DNR's priority list up into, uh, up by Bina, up in that area. Um, and, and work on that hatchery, which is a major walleye production hatchery throughout Minnesota. And then we came to, um, we were asking money to fix up our boat accesses. I understand Minnesota hasn't built a new boat access for like 20 years. Yeah, it, it's been greatly reduced. I mean, where we were, where the state was advocating and building new, new boat accesses on, our, on a routine yearly basis, that really degraded 15 some odd years ago. And... I don't want to say that we haven't built any new. I don't think that's fair, but it has been greatly reduced to the single digits. 
a hatchery or two, um, or I'm sorry, a boat access or two uh, every year, but very, very few new ones. And But even more remarkable was the fact that they walked away from reinvesting in the old ones. They quit the maintenance of these boat accesses. So there's 1,700 boat accesses in Minnesota. The shelf life from when it's constructed is 15 to 25 years. And so when you take that number of boat accesses and and, and a working life of 15 to 25 years and you walk away for over a decade, the backlog of deferred maintenance that you create is is can be just mind-boggling. Um, and that's what we were faced with. So we went in and, and we were asking for, for $50 million just to get that process of rebuilding 1,700 boat accesses. We walked away with about $38 million in that, in that pot. Um, now, to say that two of them are... are about two and a half million dollars of that 38 or three million is is dedicated to two new boat accesses that they're looking to build. One is down on the Mississippi River and one is up on uh, Lake Pekegum, or Rainy Lake actually, up on Rainy Lake. So those are going to be two new accesses that are going to be built with those dollars. But then we get to take these dollars and start the reconstruction and reinvestments in those 1700. Mark, one more question here, and then we're going to take a break. You mentioned shore fishing, too. Did, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have boats. Uh, so shore fishing or fishing docks are important for folks that like to fish. Uh, what happened there? And that was, we, we and the governor had asked for $5 million to be dedicated to shore fishing and fishing piers. So what they're going to do is the DNR is going to go in and, and purchase some easements, do some uh, shoreline restoration or hardening so that you can have like a place where you can go sit or, or a path down to the lake where you've got access to a to a river or to a, a lake. And predominantly those are going to be in the metro area, the lakes, um, and there they'll be putting in fishing piers. Um, those are heavily used throughout the metro area to give people that daily access, the daily opportunity to fish from shore or from a pier. And as you said, yeah, most people, most anglers do not own boats. And that is their opportunity to access our public waters, our rivers and our lakes. Very good. Yeah, very good. Uh, We're chatting with Mark Holston, Executive Director of MinFish. We're going to take a short break here to hear from our Uh, some of our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk more about um, what the legislature did or didn't do to to help fishing in this state and uh, what's ahead for uh, menfish as they work to uh, uh, shorten the time between bites, as we say. We'll be right back. It's summer season, which means thunderstorms can roll on in. Are you prepared for a power outage at your home or business? The Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator will ensure peace of mind when the power goes out. Also, the same propane that powers your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home or business will reduce the size and cost of the generator. Imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones to run during a power outage. Reliable, affordable, safe. 
propane, the energy for everyone. To find out more about generators and propane appliances, go to propane.com. Also, a shout out to our friends at Kinetico. You know, spring is so darn close. That means we're going to be back at the cabin, we're going to be fishing, we're going to be skiing, doing all the fun stuff, and that means Kinetico water in the woods. Last summer, we were lucky enough to add Kinetico water at the cabin, and what a difference it has made. For as long as I can remember, we dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But after a painless four-hour installation, we now have Kinetico soft water, and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water in the morning to try and make coffee before going topwater fishing. We've got great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer spells funny, and Connecticut water cleaned up the showers and the dishes. The world's most efficient worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. Also, We'd like to give a shout-out to Aquaside. Ah, summertime at the lake. It's all fun and games until... Weeds! Wipe out your lakefront weeds with Aquaside and make the most of your property's potential. Up to 4,000 square feet can be treated with just one 10-pound bag of Aquaside. Simply sprinkle the pellets around the weedy area and voila! Pristine, weed-free water. Visit us online at killlakeweeds.com and reclaim your lakefront today. All right, thanks for sticking with us here at the Minnesota Bound podcast, the story behind the story. Special guest today, uh, Mark Holston, executive director of MinFish. And as I mentioned earlier, full disclosure, I'm on the board of MinFish, so I have a special interest in this conversation. But um, Mark, uh, uh, MinFish has been trying to uh, make an effort here for the last several years uh, one of the things that came out as we, we our Minfish board and people like yourself started looking at the what really is going on with our state government, state uh, fisheries department, etc. For example, we talked about boat accesses here, how um, fixing them up kind of went away, went away. We looked at the water recreation account, and this is the money uh, folks uh, send to the state to register their boats. And I think initially a lot of that money was was supposed to be spent on uh, uh, boat accesses. Well, as we looked at that, along comes invasive species in the legislature or somebody said, hey, we need some money for invasive species. Oh, let's take it out of the recreation account. Um, and then, well, now we need enforcement for invasive species rules. So, oh, let's take that out of the water recreation account. Before it was over, uh, the millions of dollars that were supposedly or supposedly historically to be spent on boat accesses now was down to not as much money because it was just being uh, all kinds of hands going into that fund. Um, but th- things like that happen. And um, unless you start looking at these numbers, you never know, right? Well, and that's it. it- <clears throat> <laughs> financing of the Department of Natural Resources is probably one of the most complicated pieces of the state budget because it is all fees. So it's fishing fees do this, boat, act, boat registration fees do that. 
And then you have these other priorities that need to come in, that come along and need addressing. And because it is fee-based, the legislature resists putting general fund, general tax dollars into the agency to tackle these bigger problems. And so a lot of legislators look at invasive species to our lakes, that'd be zebra mussels or, or milfoil, and say, well, that's a boating problem or that's a fishing problem, so they should pay for it. And that's kind of what happens. And then, as you're right, enforcement is another one because the DNR has its own conservation officers, law enforcement officers. They have to be funded through something. And so when an officer is on the water checking for boat license or checking registrations or checking for invasive species or, or limits, that's that pot of money covers their salaries. And so when fees don't get raised on a routine basis or other funds don't come in, that really just starts eating away at those opportunities. So a boat registration, though, there's there's two big pots. There's the boat registration and there's what's called the gas tax. So when boaters buy gas, the tax that's generated through gas tax, that goes into that account that builds and maintains our boat accesses. That is just enough money to do that basic maintenance every year. When I say ba- basic maintenance, that's the putting the dock in, taking the dock out, putting the porta potty there, and then maybe some real basic maintenance. Maybe bring a grader in, uh, maybe fix a dock, but overall it doesn't do that beyond that daily maintenance, it really doesn't tackle the big picture. And that's why that, that $38 million is so important for us to get that reinvestment to re, revitalize those, those boat ramps and boat accesses. Another thing. But at the same time, we still have to remember our registration fees are important and we need to keep an eye on make sure that those dollars are used the way they are intended to be used. Indeed. Another interesting item I think Menfish uncovered as we uh, looked at a fishery operation, and I should say we, Menfish was never formed to become fish managers or fish biologists. We, we basically wanted to find out what the heck was going on and where we, uh, you know, how's it going here? What are, where, what are the problems? What, what, how can we help? And one thing we found is that a couple things. Seems like when it comes to within the department, DNR, uh, wildlife gets a little more attention budget-wise than fisheries does. Uh, we don't know why uh, that is. And also uh, came to realize that uh, our fishery chief does not have an assistant uh, where other departments do. You go, what? I mean, why? Why? So you have all these questions. And uh, maybe these are things that we'll take up in the future. Well, it's definitely we're going to be looking closer at the Department of Natural Resources Fisheries Division and what's going on there or not going on and what's happened. Uh, that's going to take that's going to take some time, but we are going to we're going to spend that this summer and fall looking into and talking with the agency about the future of our fisheries division and the, and the future management of it. And, and make sure that we give them the, the necessary support that they need to manage our lakes. Um, 
it's a it's a complicated endeavor that they try to to do every year. And they have to have the tools. They have to have the resources. I think the hatcheries are going to be a, a wonderful asset to them, but we also just need to take a look at at the people part of it and make sure that they have the resources that they need for that. Another item that the legislature did not pass this year, very controversial, was DNR was asking for a fishing license increase, five bucks, I think, for a resident. Um, this hit... Uh, a lot of opposition, as a lot of Minnesotans saw the headlines that the legislature or the state had piled up uh, 17 plus billion dollars uh, of excess funding there and um, didn't understand why now suddenly DNR wanted a fishing license increase. Now, Menfish, we, we hassled that around and I think we came down on the side of uh, of the increase. Historically, anglers have always supported their sport, um, although we found out uh, we were the only ones supporting this. <laughs> we, we need to, we need to, how about the rest of the state here? You know? But uh, uh, what was your take on the fishing license increase, and, and, and why did Minfish uh, support it? Well, again, Ron, it goes back to part of that education piece and, and, and trying to help people understand the complexity of what budgeting looks like and for the department. I think our perception is is that we look at state government and we look at how much money they've had and how much money they had this session and to in intellectually say, well, why do you need to raise fees? You have $17 billion. And, and going back to your point, the fisheries division and enforcement division um, – they rely on the fees, and they've always been a fee-based agency, a fee-based activity. And the legislature just does not want to put general fund, general tax dollars, that surplus into that activity. And we're going to have to work hard over the next couple of years to try to change that perception. But going back to the fee... When we ended up talking about it and looking at it at, at the Minfish board meeting, um, the reality that the $5 was fundamentally just an inflationary adjustment. It wasn't a new pot of money that the DNR was going to go utilize to go do different things. It was just to be able to maintain the level of effort that they were putting in. And that's what I was kind of surprised that the legislature walked away from it this year. I mean, I, I get it. It With all these new legislators not understanding how the system was funded and how it works, but at the same time, when it's just inflation, it was fees hadn't been raised in over five years or five years ago. Um, it, it, it The logic kind of says it was time to do it. And I get it. It's not... It's never, it's never popular to go out and raise fees. But if we want a quality fishery in the state, if we want to maintain what we have, and going back to your point, fisheries versus wildlife, the reality is wildlife side has experienced loss. There's a Ducks Unlimited in the state for a reason. There's a Pheasants Forever in this state for a reason, and it's because of those lost quality opportunities that hunters experienced. 
Minfish was created to be a voice to try to get ahead of that, to prevent that loss from occurring. And that's part of our challenge. The anglers haven't truly experienced loss like the duck hunters and the pheasant hunters of the state. So there's this, I don't want to say apathy, but there's this, is there a problem or what could we really do to improve it? And that's where Minfish's voice really comes into play and and trying to maintain and improve upon what the state is. So that's why the fee increase was important. And our efforts are going to have to um, be focused on that in the upcoming years. I'm sure it'll be back again the next legislative session. You know, we we anglers, we want DNR to do uh, uh, lake surveys, for example, of uh, fishing uh, angler surveys. How did, you know, what are you catching? How many, blah, 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 blah. But that takes people and money. And um, the DNR hasn't been doing very much of that. So how do you know what the lake is doing? That's part of it. Uh, Mark, we're going to take. And that's your point, Ron. That was a great point is that those lake assessments, that's the only true way to truly know what's going on within a lake is by going in and doing their test nettings, doing the creel surveys, talking with anglers and getting their experiences and getting real hard, true data that they can actually see what's happening. And that you're right. That takes people. Going to take a short break here. We're with uh, Mark Holston, Executive Director of Minfish, and you're listening to the Minnesota Bound Podcast. We'll be back after these messages. Hey there, Bill Shirk, the man about the woods. The Minnesota Historical Society invites you to take a historic adventure this summer. Become a member and get free access to 26 historic sites and museums across our state. You can learn about the places, people, and events that shaped Minnesota. Take in the sights at Split Rock Lighthouse. Explore state history at historic Fort Snelling. Learn about Native American culture past and present at Mille Lacs Indian Museum. Or see it all at the Minnesota History Center. Learn more and become a member. Come on. Learn more and become a member at mnhs.info slash adventures. Also, we'd like to thank our friends at Star Bank. Ron Shera here with a question. Have you ever heard of an economic first responder? That's an economic first responder. Well, it's real. Think of Star Bank. Star Bank is saving local businesses as an economic first responder in the Twin Cities, the West Metro, and rural Minnesota. Star Bank has been helping small businesses keep their lights on, pay their rent, pay their employees for months now. In fact, Star Bank has helped 629 local businesses during this pandemic. And they've been keeping small businesses on Minnesota's main streets as well. Keeping small businesses alive. Economic first responders, indeed. You know, Star Bank is our local hero during this pandemic. Find Star Bank at starbank.net on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Bank locally with Star Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. That's my choice, Star Bank. Ron Shera here. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. 
10 cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Hi, welcome back to the final episode here of the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. Special guest Mark Holston as we discuss uh, the trials and tribulations of uh, fish management uh, in the state of Minnesota and what uh, MinFish, MN-FISH organization has done, uh, the legislature, etc. cetera. Um, Mark, uh, when I get a chance to... Uh, speak to angling groups and I tell them about this hasn't happened, this hasn't happened, hatcheries are outdated and held together with duct tape, blah, blah, blah. And I say, whose fault do you think this is? And I don't know what they're thinking, but I point right back at them. I said, it's our fault. We would rather, we anglers would rather sit around, talk about the latest jig to catch a walleye and, and pay no attention to what the legislature was doing or not doing in St. Paul. And uh, so we've, we've earned our, we've, we've earned what, whatever uh, losses we've, we've had here. So going forward with MinFish uh, as the leader of this group, what is your vision ahead for MinFish? Uh, will we be back in the legislature again next year? And if so, what are we going to be doing? You know, that's a great question, Ron. Uh, the board is going to be meeting over the over the summer and fall and, and having the conversations. We'll have to first, there's two things that we need to do. Is, is The first part is work on our agenda for the next session. And I, I suspect with the fee increase not passing, we're going to have to spend some energy on that. But we need to do a deeper dive, as we talked earlier about what's going on in the division of fishery and what are its true needs to in moving forward and and so i think that's going to be part of it but we're also going to have to sit down and and have a conversation with the dnr now that we've provided all these dollars that we work to get you these dollars what are their thoughts for the management of it? How are they going to prioritize and where are they going to prioritize? And we have to have that sit-down conversation with them to make sure that our expectations are are at least heard and met um, with them as, as they move forward with the rebuilding of these facilities. I've had that so question. That's gonna, yeah. Go uh, ahead. I've had that question myself. I said, okay, now we've got $55 million here to start fixing up our fish hatcheries. It's going to take uh, four years to uh, get a lot of them fixed up. Maybe need more money to fix up the rest. I don't know. But then my question would be, okay, we have more modern fish hatcheries now, DNR. What, what are your plans with these new modern fish hatcheries? That would be a major question for me. And I, and I think they're going to be able to answer that, Ron. I think they've got... You know, particularly with what they have found in that southern strain of uh, lower Mississippi walleyes, that in their mind is kind of a game changer uh, for walleye stocking in the southern part of the state. Uh, It's a very specific, uh, genetically uh, specific walleye that's located in a couple spots in southern Minnesota that they have found reproduce at a greater rate um, that's going to impact stocking 
and and their success rates with those fish are incredibly high and a much more vibrant strain. I think they're going to take that same, they're not going to take those fish and move them north, but I think they're going to want to do more more research and try to genetically understand where what are the better species what are the as we've mixed fish around the state over the years um we have an opportunity through that science to really fine-tune what's going on and these 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 hatcheries are going to give them the tools to do that well Um, i think i think there's a maybe a changing attitude don't know if it's changing yet but uh, a kind of a built-in um uh what's the right word, a built-in opposition to stocking walleyes. For example, within DNR fish managers, I think a lot of them think they should try to be pristine fish managers, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I, I have no, not all proof for this, but it's just an attitude that I think I've sensed over the years. Um, but maybe this could be fine-tuned. I, I, I'm not in favor of stocking walleyes where they're not going to end up in an angler's frying pan. But there are a lot of lakes I think could use more, could to do more. But that's a topic perhaps for another day. Well, but I think, Ron, that minfish is going to be able to play that conduit between the anglers and the DNR. Because you're right. I I think it's just a lot of how, how DNR fisheries managers talk, the language that they use. I mean, they're scientists and I'm not a scientist, but I know they talk differently. And it's, so it's the, some of it's the language they use. It's the language we use. It's the managing of expectations and understanding what each other's expectations are. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to work through some of those, I think, um, and, and develop a better understanding of what each other wants and is looking for and and to meet those those challenges but let's face it we're going to have challenges in the future they're not going to this this one-time deal this one-time investment isn't going to fix all of our problems indeed there are other issues Uh, some folks want to reduce the walleye limit statewide Uh, some folks are concerned about the new electronics popping up on our lakes that and allow anglers to almost handpick every fish they want to catch um, and not to mention the continuing issues with stocking, limits, seasons, um, you name it. So Minfish will have lots to do with that word, Mark. Uh, for folks listening who are interested in fishing uh, or want to get involved in Minfish, um, uh, even making a donation, heaven forbid, <laughs> we could use the, the dollars. What do people, where, where do people go to join Minfish? Well, the easiest way to do it, Ron, is to go to mn-fish, min-fish.com. And that brings you right into the MinFish website. And from there, you can go in and, and join as a member. Uh, and, I, and I do want to give a shout out to the people who have supported MinFish over these last couple of years. Without their financial support, without their voice uh, contacting their legislators, this would have not occurred. This investment would not have happened if it wasn't for those people who heard what Minfish was saying, believed in the in the message that we were providing, and, and supported us to make that happen. Well said, Mark. Uh, Mark Colston, 
My special guest today, Executive Director of MinFish, mn-fish.com, if you want to catch that again. So um, before I end our little podcast here, I want to thank our sponsors, Connecticut, uh, Minnesota Propane, Star Bank, my favorite bank, Minnesota Historical Society, Aquaside, and Rudy Luther uh, Auto Dealerships. So with that, uh, Ron Shera here with you. Um, until next week, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors and tune in for a more Minnesota Bound podcast. Mm-hmm.